0: This is the Champions Coffee Podcast on the Vigo Podcast Network. On this show, we take 20 minutes to celebrate the champions behind higher education student support and experience. These are the individuals who are pushing the boundaries and changing student lives on a daily basis, and we get to hear their stories and their visions for the sector. And hello world, welcome to the Champions Coffee podcast where every week we have coffee with an education professional who is out there on the front lines, championing students to be all that they can be. I'm your host, Ben Hallett, and I'm also the co-founder and CEO of Vigo. For those of you who don't know, Vigo is a learner support platform that helps educators connect their students to their student support services, mentors, tutors, advisors, counselors, alumni, everything in between. And at VIGO, we really believe in celebrating the professionals who make all of this student experience tick, uh, which is why that we do this podcast. And this is a very special episode. Uh, It's one of a series of episodes that we are doing live from the AIEC conference uh, 2022 uh, here on the Gold Coast, Australia. And for this session, we are very lucky to be joined by Brett Bequist. Brett is the Assistant Vice-Chancellor of Engagement at the University of Canterbury. He brings three decades of university experience in several countries, from lecturer to department head to senior administrator. His passion is collaboratively developing and implementing strategy to help institutions address changing conditions, demographics, and objectives. He's also one of the speakers here at AIEC and spoke just yesterday on uh, having a global dialogue on lessons learned from around the globe. Without further ado, Brett, welcome, mate. Thank you. (laughs) So uh, to kick off the podcast, I'd love to um, I'd love for you just to profile a little bit more about your institution and, and how you fit into the international student world. Sure. Uh, let me start off with a traditional greeting <laughs> in the indigenous language of New Zealand, Te Reo Māori.
1: Tena koutou, ko He a engagement iti fare wananga the University of Canterbury. So that's introducing myself in Te Reo, and Thank you. Uh, I am about uh, coming up on a year into a new role. Around engagement at the University of Canterbury. Mm-hmm. The University of Canterbury is New Zealand's second oldest uh, institution. It was created in 1873. Mm-hmm. So, next year we'll be celebrating our 150th anniversary. So that's a big part of what I'm working on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a university that was created at the same time that the city was set up. So, it's very community based proud of its uh, sense of place and our service to our, our region and our community, and there's a number of things we're doing that we might end up talking about during the podcast um, in that space. It's about 20,000 students overall, so a mid-sized university. Mm-hmm. Um, there are only eight universities in New Zealand, mm-hmm. all of them are public, mm-hmm. um, and uh, University of Canterbury is uh, a well-accredited institution with a very strong student experience base, mm-hmm. so a very strong uh, campus setting with a uh, beds on the campus so a bit of a distinctive um, student experience which is one of the reasons a lot of students choose to come and study with us in Christchurch.
0: Oh great well um, with that um, when it comes to well, welcome over to the Gold Coast I should say um, and you know, welcome to this conference and the conference theme being beyond borders uh, here at AIEC which really frames up the opportunity for institutions to learn how to use digital innovation and data insights to create better opportunities Aggressive policies and share strategies for international students. You know, like, what's your current take on this, or you know, what's been changing for you about the conference around the conference? Yeah, in in general, what's your take, and um, you know, what have you maybe heard around the conference that you find interesting?
1: Oh, I think it was a, a recurring theme at the conference is first of all just the everyone's thrill at being able to see colleagues and old friends again yeah. in person. You yeah. know, after a couple of years of only doing things online, so there's that buzz and energy we're a field that we like to find ourselves you know there's a lot of colleagues and good good relationships that exist in the international education field Um, this year in particular there's a real buzz about just coming together again and I think the theme that we're reflecting on a lot um, is having found our way through the last couple of very very difficult years are we simply all trying to get back to what we had before in the straightest line possible Mm -hmm. or you know are we leveraging the crisis that we've gone through to sort of lean in and reset where we're going Mm -hmm. and i think the one takeaway is that all of us really dialed up our focus on student support during the crisis all of us in the sector the sector as a whole globally Mm -hmm. higher education and there's a really strong desire to make sure we maintain that focus as we return to a whatever the new normal is. Yeah. So how, how can we make sure that student support is front and center in everything we're doing going
0: forward? Yeah, great. Well, <coughs> as a student support platform, I'm very excited to hear that. <laughs> um, and, uh, mate, could you tell us a little bit about uh, your, your, your conversation yesterday you had, the global dialogue? Mm. You know, what, for the listeners at home, what, what happened in that session?
1: Mm. Well, I was asked to speak there on behalf of the New Zealand sector. Mm-hmm. There was actually a panel of different associations. Yep. So we had... Uh, API um, uh NAFsa mm-hmm. um, we don't have an international education association in New Zealand um, but we do work very closely and collaboratively given our size and mm-hmm. scope so I was asked to reflect on the experience of the New Zealand sector in that space Good. Um probably the main thing that I've been talking about during the conference is the fact that before the pandemic, Um, we had really focused our institutions and many of our government organizations around some core values that come to us from the Maori world. We call that Teo Maori, the Maori Mm. world and its values. Um, And there's three that are often um, part of university mission statements, government agencies, and so on. So one is Fananga Tonga, how we value people and empower others. The other one is Tiaki Tanga which is about managing our resources and our environment for future generations. Mm-hmm. And then the one that's really been relevant and has informed our approach to the crisis is Manakitana. So that's how we care for other people, and take care of people. Um, so that comes from very strong Maori value, but it's also something we've been discussing for quite a while in New Zealand society in general, and in the international education sector in New Zealand, uh, several years ago, we created the first position Director of International Student Experience within Education New Zealand, um, ao which is our crown agency that represents the sector. Um, we believe it was the first in the world, mm. and that brought a lot of focus on international experience, student experience. We also um, had what we believe is the sector's first international student well-being strategy mm. in New Zealand. This was all before the pandemic. Yeah. And that had brought a lot of focus around what we think there. So we weren't prepared for the pandemic, but when we looked at how we responded, we had this really strong foundation, almost a philosophical foundation, based on the values that we all believe in as a nation within the institutions. So these are values that all New Zealanders, regardless of their walk of life, espouse. And the fact that they were you know, kind of codified into mission mm. statements. So in my current institution, uh, the University of Canterbury, many of our staff have a graphic on those three values in their email signature line. Mm. So it's very omnipresent in our life in the way we talk about it. I think that provided a really strong base for New Zealand to have a very quick consensus around our priorities, which is all about prioritizing the student experience during the crisis. Um, so that's that's one of the main lessons I've been sort of sharing in conversations and panels this week.
0: Yeah, great. Well, at this point in the podcast, I'd actually like to um, step back a little bit and, um, and actually get to you as the individual. You know, what actually brought you into the higher education space? Uh, what was that initial thing that got you in or, or what is it that's keeping you in this space? Like, what do you get excited about?
1: Well, I never was brought in. I just never left. Okay, <laughs> so right. I'm one of those, those people who never figured out how to moved from student to outside the university yeah. <laughs> so my whole career has been inside the, the university setting um so i started off as a linguist and administration was the the dark side the mm-hmm. last thing i wanted to do mm-hmm. but eventually everyone sort of shifts over um and then i, I really launched my career in in europe um quite a long time ago, but at a period where um, the Erasmus program and mobility was really good going. So expats often got pulled over into that that side of things. Um, and I really liked it. And I really, you know, I sort of doubled down into that space. Um, I then <clears throat> moved to the States and worked in several universities in, in Michigan. And then um, a week after I was an empty nester, I got a headhunter call from the University of Auckland in, <laughs> <laughs> in
0: well, New Zealand,
1: in Aotearoa. And I thought, hmm <laughs> so I moved to New Zealand um you know a, a big shift in my life um and then just earlier this year moved to the University of Canterbury after six years um at Auckland the University of Auckland um so something I really enjoy I like the cause I like what education is all about I like the diversity of it um, now sitting on the administrative side of the house what I really love is that I get to interact with all sorts of disciplines and fields that I haven't read into. Mm. Whereas previously as an academic, you know, it was almost as if my, my my vision was narrower because I was trying to advance my career by going very deep in my specialty, which I'm not saying I didn't have broad interests, but the more you invest, the less you see of the breadth of it. Yeah. On the administrative side of the house, you know, going in and we've just commissioned a new piece that the Christchurch Symphony Orchestra will, will, premiere next year for our um, 150th. So having those kind of meetings or last week we hosted 15 uh, ambassadors on campus to talk about gateway Antarctica. And we had three Ted talks, um, about research going on in the Antarctic. It was just fascinating. So I really love that variety and the sharing inside the culture of the Academy. So I've, I've looked at other opportunities outside the Academy. Um, and every time I kind of come back to actually really like life in this space,
0: yeah.
1: I like what it's about. I care about it and it motivates me.
0: Yeah. I, I, <clears throat> I actually only got uh, two years out of higher education before I got back in <laughs> <laughs> So I'm coming back. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I guess when it comes to, uh, you, know, you mentioned a lot of uh, big focus on student support and about whether um, you know, we, wrapped, we all ramped up student support in the pandemic. And there is this decision at the moment about do we go back to where we were or do we keep it going? And it seems like uh, certainly from your perspective we need to keep it going um, with, with the level that we have been providing. Can you can tell us a little bit about like, how does student support and experience play out at the University of Canterbury or how are you thinking about it?
1: Right. So the University of Canterbury, we have um, quite a range of student support strategies um, that you would find examples of this in other institutions. Just to rattle off a few um, we have a peer assisted learning program. Um, we have, uh, you know, a lot of advanced advising, um, possibilities. We have recently refocused physically, brought many of our advising offices that were out th- throughout the campus and moved them into a big open area on the second floor of our library, which is right at the heart of the institution so that we can say to students, right, there's everything you need. <laughs> um, so just really raising the visibility of the different strategies that, that we're doing. Um, also, I think the, the the technological advances and the fact that COVID made all of us go online for a period means that we're able to um, deploy analytics in a really creative way that you couldn't before. Mm-hmm. So in the world before, you would you you know you'd have I was a, I was an academic for I think twelve years. You know, you see the students in class, but in a large section, you don't really know how that student is doing until you have the first assessment. You know, midterm exam or if it's heavily weighted for final exams, that student might be quite a ways into the experience before we know there's a red flag going on um, if it's a large section. Well, in the online space where we've taken so much of the content into an online platform, this allows us to identify those, those warning signs much earlier. So we've been spending a lot of time at the University of Canterbury in tracking those metrics to notice when a student has stopped consuming, if you will, you know, stop logging in, stop progressing through the content. And then we've got nurturing campaigns and automated messages to say, hey, we've noticed this is going on. Um, Why don't you come in and talk to us about this? Let's sign you up for a peer-assisted learning process. And then what we've found is we can turn around the success rate and if we hook them into one of the multiple things we have to offer, as long as we do it early enough, we can completely turn around the metric for that student. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our energy is focusing on that. We've got a panoply of things. But I think the distinct thing at Canterbury is we've put a brand on that. We call it Kiangitu, which is once again a, a Maori term. And it's about all of those different pieces being connected as a whole. Mm -hmm. There's a whole program project that we've set up. I'm on the program board. It's led by a deputy vice chancellor academic, and it's really about early intervention in first year because at Canterbury, just like everywhere else, the stats show that if a student has a successful first year, the likelihood of them continuing through and graduating Mm -hmm. is very high. It goes right up. Mm -hmm. So the more we can really support them and that stretches all the way into coming into the university. But I think COVID and tech has allowed us to use some more sophisticated tools to make sure the student gets to that access quicker. A couple of weeks ago we hosted a national symposium on transforming tertiary education. It was a bit of a Chath- Chatham House rules, you know, a small group from the eight universities. The Minister of Education came and spoke. Um, Tech, our government funding agents, came and spoke. Um, And we were really sharing, encouraging all the universities to share their different strategies. Mm. You know, we're all in this together. So, rising tide lifts all boats. You know, the better we become at this as institutions, the greater success for the students, the greater success for our country, for our economy, and everything else. There's a real focus on that going on in New Zealand. Um, You know, the crisis that we had is... You know, never waste a good crisis. So this is kind of allowing us to take some rapid steps
0: forward in that space. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. I mean, what you've said about uh, the visibility that you're trying to give to your support ecosystem, love that. You know, we, we talk a lot about um, an acronym that we made up called BASTE, uh, B-A-S-T-E for Student Support Services, Visible, accessible, scalable, trackable, and engaging. And I think you just, yeah. you just nailed yeah. everything
1: on that list. On <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah. 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 um, it's not one thing just to have this really cool strategy that's over there that five people care about exactly. and that gets no visibility. It, it is you know, making sure there's visibility and access to that. Yeah. And then you know, the thing that comes with a. The way we've set it up as a project, a strategic project brings a greater level of focus and resource within an institution. So that means there's regular reporting and tracking so that we can actually, you know, we're putting some resource there. We think it's going to be great. But if you're not watching very closely, whether that brought the optimal result, you know, because if it didn't, you might want to redirect that resource and try something different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would agree. Those are, those are all really, really important things. And a lot of times success strategies will miss one of them. Yeah. And you don't really get the, the the best output if you're not watching all those things.
0: Yeah, you, you miss one. Um, yeah, you, know, you can basically cancel the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's very much like a weakness. You are the of the weakest link in that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But,
0: oh my gosh, I think we could talk for a long time, uh, <laughs> and, uh, we're actually running out of time. there's another eight questions I had for you, but I, uh, I'll skip I'll skip to the very end, which I think is a really nice one to end on, which is. What advice or encouragement would you give a student about to begin their journey at the University <clears throat>
1: of Canterbury? Ah, oh, the University of Canterbury? Um, that's probably the same advice I would give to students everywhere. Um, ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> know that you're going into an institution where the people who are working there have chosen to be there, want to be there, you asked me earlier why I've stayed in education, right? Yeah. So it's a similar story that you find yeah. in that community. So even when people get super busy, it's generally people who want to help. Yeah. I think the biggest challenge is students feeling that, oh, if, if I ask for help, it's going to show that I have a weakness.
0: Yeah.
1: I think that's another benefit of COVID. And it's something I just shared in this previous panel I've just come out of. Right. I was asked to talk about my own personal leadership. And I think sometimes sharing your own challenges and vulnerabilities. To students, Mm -hmm. can help them realize, oh, okay, we're kind of all in this together. I am not the only person going through this. Others have gone through it. There are ways to get support, and it's okay to go and ask for them. And the earlier you do that, the better chance you'll have at a successful experience. So, the thing I always say to students is, if you if you are wondering about it, go ask. If you are not feeling great about it, go ask for help. Don't wait. Don't just wait out the first semester and see how you go. Get help right away.
0: Oh mate, well, with that, I'm going to call going to call the podcast to a close. And uh, to the audience, uh, thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Champions Coffee Podcast. Uh, if you'd like to check out um, other episodes, uh, previous ones or ones in the future, uh, you can go to your favorite podcast app and you should be able to find it there. Or you can go to the Vigo website or LinkedIn to find a list of all the episodes. And finally, thank you, Brett. Thanks for uh, coming, mate, and sharing your insights and visions.
1: My pleasure. Thanks.
0: Cheers, mate.